My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's stamp duty exemptions, there's grants that they can get uh, access to. So that, I suppose, is an advantage for, for buying a new product. The other advantage is you can build the house that you want. You can customize a house, you can, you can choose the materials and colors that suit your taste and needs. You, you have complete control over that. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we continue our discussion with property investor and manager of Clear State, Steve Barlow. Having started his career at Mervac in Stockland, Barlow shares what it's like to work for a smaller developer, how the projects differ and what he's looking forward to in the future, both personally and professionally. At ClearState, Barlow is deeply involved in the process from the early stages of acquisition right through when customers are purchasing land. He describes this process as being somewhat dependent on outside factors but ensures a level of predictability within the team's strategy. So we committed to a 50-lot subdivision which was acquired from three separate owners, three owners that own contiguous parcels. We committed to that uh, back in April of this year. So if you cast your mind back to April, that was, I suppose, peak um, COVID uncertainty. Uh, well, there was peak uncertainty. Um, we we backed, I suppose, at that for that particular investment that uh, the government would implement stimulus to the property industry, given how important it is to the overall economy's health. Uh, and we backed that if you've got good projects and good affordable product in good locations, ultimately we'll be able to develop them. Um, fortunately, that's turned out really well. So from the point where we committed to that project back in April, uh, we've almost got our DA, which um, that's is fast. really surprising. It's very fast. Yeah. So we typically forecast a 12-month period for our DAs. So we're going to get that in circuit six, which is fantastic. And we've sold the project out. Um, so I suppose if you, if you look with the benefit of hindsight, if you had have said to me, we'd almost have our DA and we'd be sold the project within six months of acquisition, I, I would have laughed at you. Um, so that's been really good. But in terms of the end-to-end process, once we've identified the site and we've done the deal with the vendor, we then go through a really um, detailed and strenuous due diligence process. You can um, 
you, we spend a lot of time and money at the front end really understanding a project before we formally commit to it and spend money. So we understand the ground conditions and any contamination that might exist. We understand the planning controls that we need to um, adhere to. We do a lot of market research to understand that the product we're going to deliver is market facing and what we can sell it for. So we, we do a really detailed feasibility that um, typically takes us eight weeks to complete. Uh, and then once we've done that due diligence, we formally commit to the project contractually. And then the next day we're into preparing the DA package, preparing our go-to-market strategy uh, and getting ready to deliver the project. We'll typically have a 12-month option period once we've committed to the project, whereby we go and get the DA, we get pre-sales, we get project debt. So we, we fund some of our projects via project debt from a third party. And then we settle on the land. And once we've settled on the land, we're straight into construction. So we have all of that lined up, ready to go. So we settle on Monday, we start construction on Tuesday. And then from construction through to creation of the title that mum and dad ultimately settle on, will take another nine to 12 months. And then at the end of that, we get all the settlement proceeds in and that's ultimately where we make our cash profit. So just to probably explain to the audience construction, um, we're not talking about building houses, but it's basically laying the foundations of all the sewage, the plumbing, and you know all that electrical works kind of stuff like that. So basically, you have all the roads, you know, all the stuff there. Just no houses on there. That's right. Yeah, think about uh, um, picture a suburbia if you like, just minus the house, and we get we get the suburb to that point, and then after that, the customer can come along and build the house that they'd ultimately want to live in. Yeah. And this is the, the challenge that I think um, any land developer faces is because to actually sell something that uh, a land is hard to sort of picture in somebody's mind until you actually see it. And most people who like to you know buy a brand new house can actually go in, feel it, touch it and so forth. Is there a different way or, or that you guys would market and, and promote the land in order to actually attract the home buy um, to be able to purchase that land? Because, you know, for me, I'm like, how do I see what this house would look like on this land and in this suburb as well? And who's going to be around me? If I've got 50-odd lots out there, it's empty. Then I'm imagining what's it going to look like when there's 50-odd other houses being built? Could they be exactly the same? Could they, you know, all that? How do you market it in a way where it's like, you know, selling that that dream? It's interesting. I, I, 10 years ago, I think that was probably more of a problem than it is today. And I think what we find nowadays is the customers are so educated when they come and talk to us. Very few customers have um, very little understanding of what they're potentially going to acquire. They've, they've, whether it be through family and friend experience, whether it be through market research, internet research, whether it be going to display villages and, and competing projects where you can actually walk around um, a house and touch and feel it and see what a typical lot size will look like, there's more opportunity for people to understand the process and what they're buying. Um, one of the really important things is to try and get people on site. Now, you mightn't be able to see the lot that you're actually buying because it isn't under construction or, or it's mid-construction, but you can see the typical location of where your lot is. Um, but it's it's selling off the plan from a land perspective is, uh, I'd suggest, easier than it was once before. Although Clearstate already sells an affordable product that checks a lot of boxes for their customers, especially first-time buyers, Barlow also informs that there is currently a lot of government incentive for customers to build new. 
there's stamp duty exemptions, there's grants that they can get uh, access to. So that, I suppose, is an advantage for, for buying a new product. The other advantage is you can build the house that you want. You can customise a house, you can, you can choose the materials and colours that suit your taste and needs. You, you have complete control over that. Um, so the ability to be able to personalise your family home is a really appealing one. So that's probably the other reason why it makes sense. Um, and, and in some examples, like I touched on earlier, our projects are located near new infrastructure, like the Northwest, Northwest Rail Link uh, in the Northwest of Sydney. So the ability to, to build your new home to your taste within walking distance of that infrastructure is pretty appealing. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it's really, really important because I think nowadays people rely very heavily on these infrastructures, especially to get them closer towards the CBD if they need to access or wherever they need to go. And it's made a huge improvement. I mean, I've been on the metro many times and it, it's so fast now to just get from point A to point B. It's actually faster to hop on the metro to go from, say, Kellyville to Macquarie Park than to drive. And my, I don't even know why I even drive to, you know, it takes me an hour to drive to Macquarie when it only takes me 20 minutes on the, on the metro. Yeah. The other, just the other probably advantage that particularly first home buyers get out of buying new is because they're buying off the plan and they don't have to settle because the, the lot hasn't been created for circa 12 months, they've got another 12 months worth of saving time. So, you know, for, for first home buyers particularly, that 12 months worth of the ability to save is really good when you actually ultimately get to the point where you need to take out your mortgage, you've got more of a deposit to tip in to that trend. So, um, that time frame for a lot of our customers is really appealing. Often in the fragmented land subdivision space, one neighbor is reliant on another to maximize their value. So, if they join their blocks together, they receive a higher price. This was the case with one of Barlow's acquisitions which involved three vendors. So, that particular example, it's on a, it's on a street in Box Hill called Box Road where we've done some projects before. So, we, we knew the area really well. We like the location from a market perspective. Uh, we knew the planning controls really well. Uh, and that came about just via our network. So, I suppose we've got a network that we reach out to when we're looking to acquire. Um, uh, an agent friend of ours knew one of these vendors um, and... I suppose that got the initial conversation started. And from there, the three vendors realised that they were better selling together. Their land was more valuable because it was more efficient to develop it as one parcel as opposed to three individual projects. And that that allowed the conversation to become a lot easier because there was a realisation from a vendor perspective that they were going to maximise their um, outcome by partnering together. So, I'm also wondering like in terms of those three lots, like how large was that block of land when you actually merged them together? Uh, it was six and a half acres. Ooh, that's quite a lot. <laughs> and, and once you actually subdivide, how much was each block um, in terms of sizing wise once you've actually been able to sub- subdivide into say 50 lots? Yeah, average of about 375 square meters. Oh, that's reasonable still. I mean, yeah, that, that 400, close to that 400. And that means then people will be able to develop or build a house, uh, like a double-story house quite easily. Then we're still a little bit background space too. That's right. So, again, they've got their choice of, of builder. They've got their choice of design. They've got a lot of flexibility to come in and, and make it their own. So, that appeals to a lot of people. Um, 
and they go away and do that. So, just curious as well, how much is, were those blocks selling for on average like in this current market? We started from 475000 and ranged up to, for the bigger lots, near on 600000 Yeah, that's still very affordable then actually when you think about it because by the time you build a house and stuff like that, it'd be close to buying almost a, a brand new house in the area because, you know, around the Box Hill and Kellyville area, the prices are up to the mill mark. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So, that, that really does make it very enticing to be able to build and brand new compared to actually going out and, and buying an existing one that has doesn't have your taste and everything in it. Hmm. In that particular project within three kilometers of the metro. So, not, not a significant distance which again was appealing to customers. Yeah, now it makes sense. There's a no-brainer why that those lots sold out so fast as well. The, the government stimulus certainly helped. It, um, the government's done a great job from a property industry perspective managing the COVID situation. When it comes to funding a project like this, Barlow explains that it's not as complicated as it seems. It's not a one-point acquisition of funds but rather it happens over a period of time until construction. Barlow explains the usual process to attaining these funds. That project hasn't gone to construction yet, so we'll typically take out the bank finance when at the point of construction. Up until that point, so say the first 12 months of a project's life cycle, we fund out of equity. And then once we've got the pre-sales in place, once we've got a DA and a construction contract with a civil contractor, that's the point where we go and take out bank debt. Um, at the moment, it's... Um, there's a fair amount of um, players in that space, particularly non-bank lenders who are looking for well-placed projects that are pre-sold with good returns that they can go and put their money into. So the, our experience or recent experience in the debt market has been really positive. And is that relating to, say, I think the, the financier you mentioned that's in New York is, is helping fund these type of projects? That's part of our structure, if you like. Okay, excellent. It's really fascinating because there's so much that's involved and obviously with your experience that's worked in Mervag in Stockland, you can bring all this across to better manage these projects. One thing I think most of us will probably be thinking about is how do you make sure that you get these projects delivered on time? I mean, you've obviously delivered something like this much sooner than expected, as you said, but how do you ensure that things like this are delivered on time? Because there's so many parts of the wheel and there's so many external factors like COVID, for example, that could have impacted this dramatically. Due diligence is really crucial. So we need to have a really thorough understanding of the moving parts of your program um, to make sure you've got enough time to deliver on those moving parts. And a lot of it will come back to our ultimate strategy whereby we buy land that's already zoned, that's very, very certain from a planning perspective. And then when we're looking at the products we're going to deliver, we try and get 100% compliance. So because we're not trying to push the boundaries with council, you limit the risk of your program from a DA perspective not being achieved. So really it's about um, having a really, really detailed and, and understood program at the point of acquisition. Doesn't necessarily mitigate all risk, but it certainly gives you a good chance um, of delivering on your project. Again, everyone's got a war story as it relates to projects that haven't gone to program. Um, but it really, it really comes down to the buying and how well you analyse the moving pieces of your program and forecast accordingly. I, I think we're sort of just talking about the council DA approvals and so forth um, that you've gone through. Now, say for example, a, a, a customer comes and purchases this block of land and they want to build their dream house on it, they would need to submit a DA approval to get that done as well too. But 
do, you, the, do the lands also fit for CDC, like compliant development? Without being completely accurate, I'd suggest 95, if not higher, percent of our product is CDC applicable. So the customer can get a CDC approval on most of our projects within 10 days. Coming up after a break, we hear more about where Barlow sees ClearState moving in the future. I'd like to see ClearState grow into a bigger business, um, start to branch out into bigger projects, like we touched on earlier, maybe in five or ten years' time, be building some houses. We hear about someone from Barlow's past who has had a big impact on his personal development. I ended up spending some one-on-one time with him and it was really quite powerful for him to, I suppose, analyse me and give me some feedback on what he was seeing and and what I was telling him. What personal goals he would like to achieve in the near future? I don't have a self-managed super fund, so that's probably one thing I am going to do in the next year or so, just to, to be able to go and be a bit more flexible with the super money that I've got. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey property investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1-2% to per annum just sitting in the bank? What have I said to you that you can do better and you can get a rate of 15-25% to per annum? To find out more, register in your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest and receive 15-25% to per annum on their money for a short 6-month period. So, register interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Barlow is lucky to be involved in every part of the transaction, from acquisition to the owners moving in. His job is very diverse and he never spends his days doing the same thing, which keeps him on his toes. I don't sit and look at a spreadsheet all day. Sometimes I can get out on site and kick the dirt. I do look at spreadsheets. Um, I analyze markets. I deal with people. I negotiate with councils. It's so diverse that every day, every day I come into the office or, or start work is going to be different to yesterday. And that's that keeps me, I suppose, interested. Um, but the tangible nature of what we do is probably the biggest thing. The, the ability to take a project from the initial conversation with a vendor and doing a deal through the DA process into construction and ultimately seeing homeowners in their house with you know, and creating their lives is a really tangible thing. So that's um, that's pretty exciting. Having exposure to a number of executives early on in his career, particularly at Stockland, gave Barlow the chance to learn some important skills that he would take with him throughout his development career. I wouldn't say I had any mentors specifically. I probably just took little bits from everybody that I dealt with, um, whether it be the way they do things really well or maybe some of the things they weren't so good at and how I think they could have done it better. Um, I was very, very fortunate that lots of people gave me some really good guidance along the way. Um, I did, one of the best things I did was I got exposure to a business coach or a corporate coach, if you like, through um, some training that I did at Stockland. And I ended up spending some one on one time with him. And it was really quite powerful for him to, I suppose, analyze me and give me some feedback on what he was seeing and, and what I was telling him. That was probably the most um, 
from a, a personal development standpoint, the most important thing I've done. Can you share maybe just an example one that because it'd be a really great, uh, I guess, example to, for the listeners to maybe reflect on as well too. Yeah, he he sort of drilled into me that I could sometimes be a little bit pessimistic, and particularly around my own personal performance, not so much about business but my own personal performance. And he got me to... I suppose, look at the good things that I did, not just the negative things that I did. And for a period of time, he would every day get me to write down the good things out of my day and then the not so good things out of my day. And what that taught me was that when I was really realistic about what I was writing down on the page, I had more good things than I had bad things from a personal performance and how I analyse that perspective. So it allowed me to become more balanced and get more confidence in what I was doing. so he he was great at giving me a structure to analyse my myself, and that ultimately allowed uh, ultimately allowed me to become more confident. Fantastic! And that's that's what I love to hear because I think a lot of investors also get inspired to do that. We we, we do look at things realistically, but at the same time, it can be a, a detriment to to always think about you know what's the worst case because you need to factor those things in as well. But you know, go look at the positives. And are, are you also using those skills in you know your current situations now and and what you've been doing? I'm not doing it every day, but when I find that I'm becoming a little bit more pessimistic or I'm focusing on the negative, then I'll do it maybe for a week just to, I suppose, reset myself. Um, so it's not, yeah, I'll probably end up doing it once every quarter, I suppose, as an average. Um, but it's a really good, I find it a really good structure to keep me balanced. Excellent. And, and just, I mean, I've been in the corporate environment for many, many years as well too and there's, you know, personal performance plans and those kind of things. Is that what you guys have structured to help you guys be accountable to what you do in your role as well? We're probably fortunate that we're small enough that we sort of get interaction day to day across the business. There's only eight or nine of us, so we we can sort of do it live if you like. Um, One of the things that I think we've found that's worked well for us is we spend more time now doing than planning. Um, Whilst we do an element of planning, we're finding we're more successful just by getting in and doing, which has probably been a a lesson that as a business we've um, we've been learning over the last couple of years. But it's, at the moment, it seems to be working really well. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's a great agile environment that you're moving across much faster because understandably, you know, Mervax and the Stocklands and the Meritans, they've got thousands and thousands of employees there. So, there's a lot of corporate tape as well, you know, getting up to the top to get approvals and so forth. So, being able to move much faster, I think you've delivered outcomes much quicker as well too. As the company grows though, how do you actually maneuver through that, you know, in your position as a general manager? How do you see, you know, the company building to potentially lots and lots of employees as well? Ultimately, we'll have to become, I suppose, more structured in the way we do that sort of um, HR type stuff. I'm fortunate that the team I've got around me are, are really, um, they're self-starters. They, they want to be the best they can be. They want the business to be the best it can be. So, I'm fortunate in the people that I've got around me and I suppose if, as we grow, if we can try and find like people, then that whole process becomes easier. But at the moment, we give people a lot of autonomy to go and do their job. Um, and if you've got the right people, I find that works really well. Barlow enjoys reading materials that keep his mind fresh and allows him to stay learning. He doesn't necessarily read property books, but books in that general vicinity. I mean, a book that I, I'm still fascinated by and still 
read every so often is The Ascent of Money by Niall Ferguson. Uh, it's one of those books where you, well, I find anyway, I have to read the page twice to understand what he's talking about. It's a very complex book on a whole bunch, on the history of money and bond markets and share markets and, and the like. Wow. That's the first time I've heard of that book. <laughs> is, it, is it a book that you can, we can easily find online and just download it or purchase it yet? Yeah. He's done a DVD series as well, which, uh, which was pretty good. But I find the book, you can take your time to really understand the concepts that he's, he's putting forward and what the history of money looked like. So, I found it really fascinating. There are a number of things that Barlow would like to have begun at a younger age, both from a personal perspective and a career perspective. I would have said invest more earlier, whether that's property investment or, or investing on the share market, be more investment focused with your personal money. Uh, I think that's probably the advice I'd give. And, and secondly, from a career perspective, probably what I touched on earlier, be more positive and confident, probably the two things I'd say. And enjoy the journey is probably the third thing. Obviously, you've got to have fun as you do anything. Although Barlow foresees his own property portfolio growth in the future, at present, he is focused on growing clear state and honing his craft there. He believes in the motto, business success equals personal success. I probably don't think a lot about myself in a five-year term, to be honest. I think about business in a five-year term, but I suppose my my logic or, or, or approach is that if the business does well, then everybody in the business will do well. Um, and that then affords me, I suppose, more personal opportunities from an investing standpoint. Um, I don't have a self-money to super funds. So that's probably one thing I am going to do in the next year or so, just to to be able to go and be a bit more flexible with the super money that I've got. But outside of that, for me, it comes down to business success equals personal success. So that's where I focus most of my energies. Finally, Steve, I guess you've achieved great things, you know, a lot in your career within property development, within all these large, great companies and, you know, with Clearstone and so forth. How much do you think of your success has been due to uh, your intelligence, your skill, hard work? And how much of it do you think has been because of luck? In our game, particularly in the property space, you are we are a victim of the market. You can only influence the market so much. You can't control it. Um, so it's probably a little bit of both. I'd like to think it's more skill than luck, but it's probably a bit of both. Tell me, is your cash or equity currently earning 1% to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better and get a rate of 15 to 25% per annum? To find out more, register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest and receive 15 to 25% per annum on their money for a short six-month period. Register interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.